Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. If you don't know me, my name is Heath. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. Uh, and today, uh, the title to my message, and this may freak you out, uh, is called Past the Test. Okay? Stressful. You're like, oh, I don't like tests. I got out of um, school a long time ago, and I don't want that again. So uh, everyone likes to pass the test. No one starts a something and goes, look, I'm planning to fail this. No, I mean, well, at least mentally stable people don't think that. Uh, they, they want to succeed, maybe not top of the class, but, you know, we don't want a failing grades. And some of us, just with the words of tests, just got anxious. There's something that just crawled up inside of you, and you're, like, starting to sweat a little bit and wondering, like, what this message is going to be about and how can I pass it so that I feel good about myself when we're done. So, does anyone have nightmares uh, about um, getting to a classroom and realizing that it's test day that you didn't know that, you didn't study, it's like terrifying? So, me, my nightmare, which I have this (laughs) reoccurring, is that I show up to some conference or something and I'm sitting in the audience and they're like, our next guest speaker is Heath Cattell. And I'm like, holy goodness. Like, I didn't know that. Like, I don't have any no. I'm not prepared for anything. Yes, the Lord can do something, but that's a nightmare. I've, I've had that same nightmare where I'm somewhere and just happened to forgot my notes. Uh, uh, which is terrifying and like, and, but, but being ushered on stage knowing that you don't have your notes is scary. Um, because, you know, I don't want to get up here. No one wants to get up and just flop at something. Uh, I don't want to do that with preaching. Uh, we don't want to do that with life. See, the truth is, is that every one of us has failed the test. And so this isn't a message about, hey, do these five things and you'll pass the test and you'll be good. Um, this is a message that someone did pass the test and it wasn't you. <clears throat> We've all fallen short. Uh, these failures have been with us from our original parents. Uh, and Godly was fully aware of our inability to free ourselves. And from the beginning, he had a plan of redemption since Genesis 3.15, from the beginning, before that, but Genesis 3.15 is the first occurrence that we see that God understood what was coming and that there was a plan. You know, that you're the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan, uh, he would strike his heel and the son of woman would crush his head. From the beginning, God had a redemptive story that we get to see the other side of. See, last week we talked about Jesus being worth the wait through the lives of Simeon and Anna, the two people that have dedicated their life after 430 years of silence to the coming Messiah. They were waiting, serving patiently for this moment. And Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that you would not depart this earth until you see. And they both saw and praised God. And they didn't get to see his ministry. They didn't get to see his death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't get to see the fulfillment. But just that one moment was enough for all the waiting, for all the serving, for all the dedicating of themselves to the work of the Lord. See, this week we're going to skip ahead to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. 
And as we get closer to the celebration or celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we need to know that it is worth celebrating. If you don't understand the value of the resurrection, the sacrifice, the last sacrificial lamb, it will be like, oh, this is great. It's Easter. I get a day off of work. And we'll forget the reality of what we get into. So today I'm going to mess a little bit with your life in a sense that um, we're going to talk about sin. Because Jesus is going to get tempted by Satan, um, which he passes. And all of what we see in his temptation uh, can be applied to us. And, and it will point out areas of your life that you have miserably failed. And the beauty of that miserable failure is that we have a great and glorious king that died for that. So that you can live in the fulfillment of what he's done for you so that you can be his child, so that you can wear his righteousness. And so that God's view of us as children would be changed, not from our acts and our behaviors and our obedience, but it would be seen through our trust in his son who passed the test over and over again. Let's pray. Father, uh, open your word to us this morning. Lord, more than ever, we need you. More than ever, we, we need to be firm in who you are and the identity that you give us as children. We need to understand that we can become your children. And in that, Lord, we have the ability to overcome the things that are against you, your word, and against us. And Lord, that overcoming isn't into the easy life. It is into the fulfillment of what you have done for us, that our eternity is secure in those who trust in Jesus. And so this morning, as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that you would let us know that over and over and over again, you're calling us back to this place of trusting you. So, Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Let it speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in um, primarily Luke 4, verses um, 1 through 13, but I'm going to start with the end of Luke uh, 3, because it's important. So you you see Jesus come on the scene. Um, He is um, at the river um, just got baptized by John the Baptist, which is an interesting picture, which was projected, like, which was known. Uh, you see this struggle with John going, how do I have the right um, to baptize you? And we pick it up in verse 21, chapter 3. It says, now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven uh, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Okay, think about this scene for just a second. Jesus, all the people that were coming to John were getting baptized into repentance. Jesus wasn't there as a baptism of repentance because Jesus had not done anything to repent of, but he was fulfilling God's design and God's desire. He gets baptized by John to fulfill what had been told. And as he's coming out of the water, the heavens open. And I don't think this is just in the, in the text. This is visually. There's people there that are watching 
hearing what is getting ready to be spoken, the heavens are open and a dove descends on Jesus. I mean, just just imagine, like, the heavens open up. I've never seen that. I've never seen the heavens open up. I mean, I've seen clouds move, but, like, the heaven opened up. The dove comes down, and then a voice. Like, we're jaded. We're like, where's, where's the hidden speaker? Who's playing with us? They weren't thinking that. Like when this voice came out of nowhere, and I'm sure it wasn't like, "Hey, this is my, you know, it was loud. It was probably very overwhelming. Um, and God the Father says, "This is my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased." And I love this. Because Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He had lived 30 years. He's getting ready to start his ministry. And at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus was well pleased. The Father was well pleased with Jesus before he'd done any of those things. Any of them. He, he, he He wasn't earning God's favor. They were connected. They were one. And in those words, everyone here, including John the Baptist here, which we're going to talk about John the Baptist a little bit more next week and a little bit later in the story where he's doubting the things that he've heard and the things that God spoke. But the people are like, oh, oh, my goodness, like this, this is happening. And Jesus begins his ministry. And right after this, you, you jump into the genealogy, which is really important. Uh, Matthew's genealogy, uh, I believe, goes back to Abraham. Um, Luke's genealogy goes all the way back to Adam, which will be very relevant in what we're getting ready to talk to talk about. It follows Jesus all the way back to Adam. <clears throat> the first son who failed. And, he, and I'll say this a little bit later. Um, he failed in the garden. In, in, in the perfect presence and relationship with God, he failed. So look, 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 look. Let me, just, let me just speak to those in here going, you're just beating yourself up. You're just like, my gosh, like I'm, I'm, I'm worthless and I, I'm this and I'm that. And I just want to tell you that Adam, because you're like, you're thinking, why couldn't I have done better? Adam didn't. Adam, perfect, no sin, naked and unashamed. He and his wife had no shame. And I don't mean like like some people in our days have no shame and they're just like, they're crazy because they're running around. I'm talking about there was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no sin. There was this perfect unity with the Father. He knew, like had a walking one-on-one relationship with God the Father. And he failed. And if he failed, don't be shocked that you did and do. And so then when we pick up uh, an interesting encounter um, in Luke 4, starting in verse 1, it says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil... And he ate nothing during those days. And when it had ended, he was hungry. Let me just say, obvious point. I don't know for those that have fasted 24 hours before, but like 40 days, he was hungry. Obvious. Okay? Obvious. Two other things that I want to point out here that I think are very relevant as we battle with sin, as we move forward in being obedient children of God, is that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. You... (laughs) Um, uh, Galatians, uh, I think, 
3-2 or 2-2, I can't remember um, the verse. It says, oh, are you so foolish that he who began a work in you will bring it, will, will, you'll perfect it in the flesh? It is the Holy Spirit that gives us power to overcome what is coming against us. The problem is we trust in ourselves and our own power instead of trusting in the Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus is here. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Let me let me tell you another one. This might just this might mess with your brain. Who led him into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're like, God hates me. Like, why is this happening in my life? Why are these things going on? He doesn't like me. God led him to this moment. And I'm not saying everything that you get into is God leading you there, because sometimes, let's just be honest, it is you leading yourself there. But sometimes God leads us into places for the testing of our faith, which is greater than gold, to be purified. See, 40 days, also a representation. Moses and Elijah also fasted for 40 days. Um, the people of Israel were tested for 40 years in the wilderness and failed over and over again. Hey, for those that are reading the one your Bible, like, oh my goodness. Like, there, there are new ways for the people of God to just go into a hole, to get bit by snakes. Um, plagues. I mean, there's all, there's one where he's like, Hey, you know, holy servants of God, just go strike them down. <laughs> there is no end to their failure and there's no end to God's willingness to go, Hey guys, I need you to listen. Verse three. So the devil's there. He is hungry. It's been 40 days, no food. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. This you'll see in every accusation that the devil levels against him. And it will be the same accusation that you will receive. If you are. What just happened at um, um, Luke 3, 21 and 23? What, what did God the Father just said? This is my son. Whom I'm well pleased. And what does the, what does Satan do immediately? The first temptation is to said, if you are, if you are, what did God, what did Satan do to Eve with apple? Did, did God really, did God really say that you can't touch it? Which God didn't say you couldn't touch it. He said you can't eat it. But she's like, oh no. And, and, and he, the undermining work of the devil is always to undermine the authority of God and your understanding of what he has asked you to do, or who you are, your identity. See, this first one um, deals with, and you maybe you've heard these before, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, kind of these three resounding um, sin areas or category. See, the, the devil loves to challenge the identity, and he does the first one with this lust of the flesh. What the flesh wants... We'll make you happy. Lie. So he's hungry. Uh, there's also an understanding here that the magicians of the day, they could make things appear. He's like, oh, if you're, if you're God, you can do this. You can, you know, you can provide. He's trying to undermine God's care. Cause in the work of it is if, if God loved you, hear this, hear this lie that we hear. Oh, if God loved you, he would want you to have this. Because God loves me, he wants me to have what the desires of my heart. 
You're hungry. And right now he wants you to. The devil's asking Jesus to trust in his work instead of trusting in the father. Can can Jesus turn a rock into bread? Yes. If he can split loaves and feed thousands of people, he could do that. But he was not going to do anything He was so led by the Holy Spirit and submitted to the Father that he wasn't going to do anything that the Father hadn't called him to do. See, how often are we tempted by the right right here, right now desires? When we're hungry, I'm telling you, like, for all those that have dieted in the room, like, there's like an angry spirit that comes over you. I mean, there is like you, you, you deny yourself, you try to cut sugar out or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> and then we're going to have donuts here on Easter. So like, I'm sorry, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. But, you know, it's the thing that's right here. And even though we know we shouldn't have the thing that's right here, it's like it's so appealing and it's right here. Why not? And we all the time. Over and over again, we're, we're a people that wants the fast. The right now, right now, we don't want to do the work. That's why marriages end. We, we don't want to do the work that it requires to cultivate this relationship. And so we think, well, you know, we look across the aisle and we're like, hey, this will make me happy. And it won't. The, the, uh, whatever that thing is that we be lured into will never satisfy. We'll always come to the same conclusion. Maybe not right now, but we will. And so what does Jesus do? Verse 4. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. God's truth is enough. His truth is true. And if he says that it's negative for you to walk into these things, it will be negative for you to walk in those things. See, Jesus... He could have, because to be completely honest, Satan is a creation of Jesus. Like He's a fallen angel who, who created all things God did, God, Trinity, Jesus. Jesus spoke everything to existence. This was his creation standing before him. He could have done anything he wanted. But I think if he used a power that isn't in us, we would go, we can't, we can't overcome this. We, we're just, we're destined to fall into these same paths. And Jesus only does the same thing that he asked us to do is to stand firm in the word. He says, it is written. Now, a couple things that you need to understand there. Um, <laughs> the only way that this benefits you is that if you know what is written. <laughs> You know, so one of the reasons why we talk about being in the word and memorizing the word and reading the one your Bible is because it is beneficial for you to know what you should know. Because what the enemy will do is come in and and it'll sound most of what he's going to come against him is a reworking of scripture is is a little twist. He does the same thing to us. And the same thing with the conversations that you have with other people of going, well, you know, is God really against A? Is God really against B? And, you know, so, so many things I could say right now, um, but that is not my message. I'm going to stay on point. He just says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. 
Nothing. We, we shall live on the word of God. We shall live in the trust of him. The thing that we desire will never bring us to what we truly want. It won't satisfy us. And it's hard. It's hard when those like, junk food is in your house. I had ice cream last night. I'm just going to confess that with a little hot fudge and some Oreos on it. You know, I did. My wife was doing it, and I said, why not? Eve, <laughs> she's outside, y'all, please. It was, I, it was my own choice. I, I did it. I, it was all me. I was thinking about it. She just stepped first, and then I jumped right on board. Um, <clears throat> but those things that were like, oh, man, we just, you know, and I don't think there's many times where I've just like, destroyed whatever, whatever food option it is, and get to the end of it and go like, man, I feel good. Like, I may be like satisfied, but I don't get to the end of that and be like, whoo, I'm usually the, I'm the remorse, you know, I have remorse buyers, which I'm kind of that too, but I'm the remorse eater. Like at the end of that, I'm like, it wasn't even that good of ice cream. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was good. Um, so we don't want to be like Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. So Esau comes in, Jacob's like, oh, you're hungry? And he's like, just give me something to eat. And he's like, I'm so famished, I'm going to die. And he was like, well, okay, give me your birthright. And he was like, what, what birthright matters if I'm going to die of starvation? Was he going to die of starvation? No. But, but he, he, he let go who he was to be for food. See, Jesus stood on the word and trusted that it was true. So verse 5. So the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I shall give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. I read one commentary. I don't know if this is true or not, but this would be interesting. For those that have been reading the one-year Bible, you've seen this real recent. Um, one commentary I read said maybe this was Mount Pisgah. Maybe saying that wrong. The mountain that Moses went up on with God to look over into the promised land, the place that he would never go into, and look at it. So whether that is or not, I don't know, but <laughs> I like it. Um, <clears throat> see, the devil was promising something that he didn't own. He may have owned the hearts and minds of those who have rejected God. Uh, Daniel 4.32, and this is talking about um, the king. The king was very cocky and arrogant. And um, God was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you into basically an animal, to act like an animal for a period of time until you get to this place of realizing. Here's what it is in Daniel 4, verse 32. It says, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. See, Jesus wasn't interested in any shortcut, which is the danger for, for us. I'm, okay, let's just be honest. I love shortcuts. You know, if there was a four-minute abs that would work out to give me abs, like, I would do it. Like, that, that's what we do. We, we want to shorten this down. And I'm just, I'm just coming to this place in my life that there's nothing. You cannot shortcut the good things that you want. You can't shortcut a good relationship. You can't sh- shortcut um, fitness. You cannot shortcut your spirituality. There is not a um, devotion, a five-minute devotional that's going to radically transform your life. 
They're good, but you need more. You can't, there's no just easy one, two, three steps and you're there. It isn't like that. See, this was the lust of the eye. If you just get what you want, you'll be happy. See, this is what Jesus was going to get on the cross. So basically, uh, the devil was saying, hey, shortcut suffering, shortcut rejection, and I'll give you what you're going to get in the end. And Jesus was like, this, this folly, for sure, he knew that he didn't really have the authority to give him those um, at all. <clears throat> and he wanted to battle that. He, he wasn't just going to say, oh, well, I'm going to cut this corner. I'm going to do this thing because I think we would be, we are people that do that. And Jesus wasn't going to do that. So in verse eight, he answers and Jesus answered him. It is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God and him alone shall you serve. See, the source of source of my joy, peace and fulfillment is in Christ alone. There is nothing else that will give me what my heart longs for. What are your go-tos for those things? Whatever that is. Like, what, what is that thing that you're like, you're, you're longing, like, I want this, and I'm going to take a shortcut to get it? Like, what, what, is, what is that path? And we, and we all know what path that is. But how many times on the other side of that shortcut, other side of that cutting corners, have you been disappointed with those things? How many times on the other side of that thing that you're like, if I just get this promotion, if I get this extra money, if I if I get this girlfriend. Like, I'm just going to tell you, you know, if you're not married, um, marriage isn't going to fix everything. Like, you're just thinking, if I could just find that person. For all the married people in the room, let's just be honest. Uh, it's work. And the work you put into it will be the what you get out of it. But the truth is, as much as I absolutely adore my wife and would not be here in this room doing what I'm doing if God hadn't gifted me with her, she is not my fulfillment. She can't be because she's not a good substitute for Jesus. I mean, she's close. I mean, the family that she came out of, I mean, she, like, it's just hard. It's hard to, like, like, Jody's parents, which, you know, Chris and Eileen, if you don't know them, like, I tell my wife all the time, like, I would have looked better to you if you had different parents. <laughs> I would have. But her comparison of a husband and father is Chris Hamilton, which I know he would say he's not perfect, but, like, he's pretty awesome. He, I mean, in comparison, Pretty awesome. And I'm not just saying this. I've been married to her for 25 years, so, like, love, love them. This isn't brownie points. I didn't do anything that I'm trying to make up for at this point that I'm aware of. Um, But she isn't, and she can't be. And the person sitting beside you, your significant other, cannot be what satisfies you because they will be a poor substitute for the thing that is meant to satisfy you. Verse 9. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here for it is written. He's going to twist the word here. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, 
They will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. See, those are words that are said. I think it's in Psalms 91. Um, but they weren't like, hey, let's be foolish and throw ourselves. He's saying, hey, I'm going to protect as you are obedient to me, as you're walking in that way, I'm going to guard you. But it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to stand in front of this train and see if God pushes me out. I, I'm not going to do this crazy thing and, and prove who I am because he, he knew who God was. He had seen his protection over and over again. See, this one's the pride of life. Prove yourself. How many men have ruined relationships in their life trying to prove that they're not like their father or they're better than their father? It's a slippery slope that we want to we want to have other people think that we're more important than we actually are. And we present ourselves and we don't ever get to this place of actually humbling ourselves. Because we're like, we have to prove ourselves. We have to show other people. And sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes it's in our Bible knowledge and, and what we know. And we want to, we wouldn't say this, but we live this way that we're looking at other people and be like, if you just knew what I knew about the Bible, your life would be better. And you wouldn't do these dumb things. And maybe that's true. But how prideful is it for you to look at other people? And I think you should have, I think you should be biblically literate. And I think there's great resources where you can educate yourself and learn. But how prideful are we to look at other people and say, man, if you just did what I did. Because really all of that saying is, look at me. Look how great I am. And hopefully if you've been at Reach long enough or if this is your first Sunday, you will will realize over and over again that I do my best not to put that ahead of anybody. If you know me, you know I'm not perfect. You know I fail miserably. Sometimes my wife is like, a little too much? Like, let's not overshare up front. Like, okay. (laughs) But I need you to understand that I don't want you to be me. Don't ever look and be like, man, if I could just be like pastor and his wife, like our, our, our world would be better. Probably not. I want you, like, I mean, Paul just said, strive to be like me as I strive to be like Jesus. So the pieces of me that is striving for that, strive for that, but it's not to be me, it's to be like him. Still got my penny in my pocket. It's because of... It doesn't leave these pants. Every time I put them on, they're still there. Uh, We'll talk about how often I wash them later. Uh, Verse 12. And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. He's saying, trust him. He cares for you. The hardest part is we get in the middle of these things and we're like, can we still trust God? Which we're going to talk about next week when we look at uh, John in prison, descending to Jesus. Are are you the one or are we waiting for another? In the middle of whatever, in the middle of our waiting, in the middle of life, can we trust God with the story that you have right now? To redeem it over and over again. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Is there is no life that he cannot restore. There is no life that if you will surrender to him. He won't change and make better. He doesn't perfect you in a moment. But he changes you over time as you learn to trust him. 
Verse 13 says, and when the devil had ended his temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time, which we'll see in two weeks. So what do we learn today? Um, Jesus is the better son. He fulfilled what Adam couldn't do, what Moses and the people, the sons of God, which is the people of God, they couldn't do. They failed. They did not pass any test. They failed the test over and over again. And Jesus here and throughout the Gospels proves over and over again that he will do what is required, what is necessary to earn the righteousness, but he's going to do it for us. And nothing would stop Jesus from going the distance and finishing on the cross. And I mean, I think Satan's kind of dumb. Because he knows more than we do. He's smarter than you. Like, don't, don't try to be like, I'm going to outwit the devil. No, no. Like, that is, that is, a, that is a fight you don't want to get in. Now, I don't think we should be afraid. And he is a roaring um, lion. But in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So we're, we shouldn't be afraid. But, like, we shouldn't also play around with the reality that we can, with our wits... Humility and surrender is all we can do. So what about you? Here's the questions for today. Are you his child? So if you're, you're his child, uh, identity is important. We started with this section of scripture with Jesus knowing clearly who he was. And in that identity is where he led all of it, like where he came from that. So we have to be secure in this place. Are we his child? And if we are his child... Is your identity secure in that truth? So we can't just go, oh, yeah, 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 I got saved when I was 12 years old and I'm his child. But we need to know the reality of what that actually means in the scripture. When the enemy comes against us, we have to know who we are, how we are, how we even have the option to be his son. Here's my last question, then I'm going to read a piece of James, and then we're going to close. Are you willing to stand firm in that truth? Because that, that's what the world is coming to. And I honestly believe, and I've said this a lot, it's going to be more and more difficult in the days to come to stand firm in who Christ is and what he has said about sin and other things. So James, verse 4, I'm going to invite our worship team to come up. Um, James, verse 4, uh, or chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. It's got a messy part in the middle that I'm going to make some sense out of for you. Um, Verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be torn, turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Like that, that whole um, verse nine uh, in the end of eight, like, yeah, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And then you get this cleanse your hand. Like, it, here, here's the simplicity of what's going on in that is God is not all right with our sin. Like we, we need to be people that are aware of what sin is and what it does to our own lives. So what he's saying here, uh, you double minded, be wretched and mourn and weep. 
with the understanding of who God is to us and what sin does. Then he says, humble yourself, which is what he's saying here. All this um, mourning and weeping and turning laughter into uh, laughter into mourning and joy into gloom, which sounds really sad. But all he's saying here is we've got to humble ourselves before the Lord. And if we humble ourselves before the Lord, if we compare ourselves to his standard and who he is, we are going to constantly be going, God, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough for you, but you still love me. Why do you love me? You love me because I'm trusting in my righteousness that's coming through Jesus alone. And the way we have clean hands and a pure heart, if you want to read a little bit more about that, Psalms 24. The way we have that is through Jesus. Whatever you're trusting on or in that isn't Jesus is, is a slippery slope that's going to lead to heartache and pain. And whatever temptation and whatever thing that you're coming against, the only way to overcome it is allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you. And you have to stay in that place abiding in him and be secure in the identity that God has given you as his child. And then we we sit there in this understanding of who God is to us, not about us. It's not about, oh, if I just read enough, and I spent so much of my life, oh, if I I didn't read enough so God doesn't love me, or if I read enough, he is going to love me. It's such a dangerous place to be in. He wants you to know him. Know him. And we have to be in his word to know him. But there isn't, there isn't a level or a measuring stick that's like, well, you know, you, you need to do a little bit more. It's just surrender. It's having a heart willing to go, God, I need more of you. And that's an ongoing, never ending until we take our last, last breath place. So wherever you find yourself, wherever maybe convicted here in some of these things that you found yourself falling into over and over again, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Allow yourself to mourn and weep so that when we celebrate his resurrection in two Sundays, there will be joy. That's where the joy comes from and what he has done for us. On your seats, um, there's a communion cup. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the cup and said, this is the the blood of the new covenant that's being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he takes bread and he breaks it. He said, this is my body being broken for you. See, we are a people that forget. We are a people that even in our best efforts to not work it out for us and be that thing, um, we do it. And communion is one of the leveling places. So as we take communion today, it is an open declaration that you could not, but he did. And so as we celebrate this wafer and this juice um, being a representation of what Jesus has done for you, as you take those things into you, take them with praise that, that he for us, wasn't willing to take any shortcut to the cross. And he was the once and for all sacrifice that you needed to be made whole and complete and have a connection, a relationship with Jesus. I mean, with well, through Jesus to the Father. 
And so I just encourage you, I'm going to pray, um, we're going to go into worship. You can sit for a little bit if you want. Uh, bear your heart. Like if there's things that today has made you aware of that you're like, man, there's things I need to fix. There's things I need. Just Paul says to confess those. Just let God know what's going on and say, God, I don't want this. I don't want to be a part of this. I, I want you. Remind me today of who you are and fill me. Let's pray. Lord, for those in this room where the struggle is real, Lord, we declare that you are enough. For those in this room that have struggled on the outside of your faith and your grace, Lord, I pray that that you would welcome them as they come and lay down this old piece of them, this old self, and take the new become literally new creations in you. And Lord, as we honor you with communion, Lord, I pray that it would stir our heart with your proven love for us. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your grace. Lord, move in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.